Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 20th, 2018. It is a six-game slate. There's seven games for the night, except the Toronto-Orlando game is not on the slate for DraftKings. And we've kind of reached the peak of when there's resting and that kind of nonsense going on in basketball because we had Tyreek Evans just inactive for the Grizzlies on Monday night. And it literally came out two minutes after lineup lock, which was really annoying. And what's also annoying about it is Tyreek Evans is somebody who was not really on my radar until Marcus Sol got ruled out early in the day. And then Marcus Sol got ruled out. So I was like, okay, extra usage for Tyreek Evans. He's a good play, but not so much when the Grizzlies decide they don't want to win the game. So they're just not going to play him for no reason whatsoever. They didn't even give a reason for him not playing. It was just inactive for the night. So that's one of the annoying things that happens at this time of year. And it's a little bit unavoidable. But forward, we march, and the first game on the slate is the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Boston Celtics. Uh, The Celtics have already ruled out Jalen Brown and Kyrie Irving ahead of time for this game, so we know that they're not playing. It'll be Terry Rozier starting again. From the OKC side of the game, Russell Westbrook at 11,600. I mean, there's upside for Westbrook in just about every matchup. Uh, I would just prefer to roster Anthony Davis, who's about the same price as Westbrook tomorrow. If I'm getting exposure to the Thunder side of the game, I think that Paul George makes more sense at 7600 It's just a little cheap for George, uh, but still not a priority play for me. This should be a pretty low-scoring game, and the Celtics just a really good defensive team. From the Celtics side of the game, uh, Terry Rogier, 7300 Marcus Morris, 6000 uh, I think it's a lot of pretty fair pricing. The one guy who I do have a little bit of interest in, but would really just be a GPP play, not a cash play, is Al Horford at 6500 It's a cheap price for Horford. He just hasn't really played particularly well over the last couple of months, and minutes haven't really been there for him either as he's dealt with some injuries himself. But I do think that there's upside in him at 6,500. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I think Horford is probably my favorite guy to roster from this game for GPPs. Because even though you could sort of make the case that Westbrook is worth rostering against the Celtics for his upside, I don't think it's going to come at any significantly lower ownership. He's probably going to be lower owned than some of the other high-priced guys on the slate, but it's not like you're getting Westbrook at 5% or less. Um, People are always going to be rostering Russell Westbrook, and this isn't that big of a slate anyway. So I I don't think I'll have him in my player pool because there are just better expensive guys to use, most notably Anthony Davis. And I think this could be a slate to go with more game stacks anyway. Uh, there, There are maybe one or two games that have most of the value, and this isn't one of them. But I do think Horford has a good amount of upside. I think Paul George is okay. What do you think of Corey Brewer? I think I'm probably not buying into him being a decent fantasy player. And if he were min-price, sure, but he's 4200 So I think no Corey Brewer, and then that's probably it for this game. Yeah, and I think also his minutes were a little bit lower last game. Let me see if that holds true. He played... No, not really. He played 30 minutes last game, but still he only scored 18 fantasy points. For the season, he is playing... 15 minutes per game and scoring 10 fantasy points. Obviously, the situation's changed for him a little bit. We've seen him in prominent roles before, and he never really does all that much per minute. Uh, Last year, 16 minutes per game, 10.5 fantasy points. The year before, 20 minutes per game, 14.5 fantasy points. So even if we're going to look at him 30 minutes, like I think the reasonable baseline expectation for Corey Brewer in 30 minutes is like 20 fantasy points with not a lot of upside. Corey Brewer's not a good player, and 
it's kind of weird to see him resurface in a significant role for the Thunder, except I think that's really just because he has those ties with Billy Donovan, where Donovan coached his college team, and the the Thunder just really lacking for depth on the wing ever since Robertson got hurt. But I'm, I certainly don't really like Corey Brewer at all, and not in this game either. It's also a really tough matchup against the Celtics. Yeah, the other player that I'll mention that I think could be worth rostering is Jason Tatum. Uh, Tatum has a pretty big usage bump with all of the injuries that the Celtics have. He had close to a 30% usage last game, but it's a really tough individual matchup for him against what figures to be Paul George. So even though he's getting a boost in usage, ball handling responsibility, probably a bit of minutes too with everyone out for Boston, I think having to go up against Paul George for most of the game just kind of takes him out of play, but he could be someone to have at least a little bit of exposure to. Yeah, I wouldn't call him a fade, but not a priority either. Uh, let's see, next game we have here is the Clippers at the Timberwolves. This should be a pretty high-scoring competitive game from the Clippers' side of the game. Uh, once again, not really any great value plays, but I think there are some guys worth considering. Austin Rivers is, I think, a pretty safe cash game play on this slate at 5,800 just because he'll be getting so many minutes recently, which figures to stay true because his dad's the coach. Uh, Lou Williams at 7,200 I think is fine to roster. Uh, Tobias Harris at 7,400. I think that he's a pretty good play. Let me just check. Yeah, he was not great in his last game. Only scored 21 fantasy points in the game against Portland. But before then, he was on a stretch. Uh, 44, 46, 29, 37, 40, 50, 50 fantasy points. So plenty of upside for Tobias Harris and a decent amount of floor for him also at 7,400. I think he's a pretty good play. Obviously, also the Timberwolves' wing defense not quite as strong as the numbers would indicate because no Jimmy Butler, he's injured. From the Minnesota side of the game, I think the elites is worth rostering at 5,800. He seems to always play a ton of minutes for the Timberwolves. Carl uh, Anthony Towns at 9,500, I think he's fine to pay up for. It's a tough matchup for him against DeAndre Jordan, except Towns is one of those players with pretty significant home road splits for the year. He scores... 47.5 fantasy points at home versus 42.5 on the road. And that's kind of been the case for him for his entire career to this point. He scores about five more fantasy points at home versus on the road. So I like him at 9,500. Uh, if you're looking for a really deep punt play, this will seem like a weird person for me to be recommending. But if there isn't really a ton of value on the slate, uh, Derek Rose did play 20 minutes last game. So if you're making like 20 lineups, I wouldn't have a huge issue with putting Derek Rose into one of those lineups with the hopes that he plays like 20 minutes again at almost mid price. Yeah, that is, that does sound strange coming from you, but I guess you're definitely not saying that Derek Rose is a good real life player. He just might play enough minutes where he's worth using. I, th I think that does make a little bit of sense. Uh, this isn't actually one of the games that I think is the better stack spots because most of the core players are pretty expensive. I think there are some marginal plays like Towns, Tobias Harris, Austin Rivers. I think there's a little bit of value on a bunch of them. I think even Taj Gibson, too. Um, his price is down to 4900 and he was actually above 6000 not too long ago. And it's kind of just been circumstantial why he's played lower minutes recently. Uh, I think in the last three games, there were two blowout losses and one blowout win. And some of the other starters will stay in longer, but Gibson tends to come out of the game earlier than the other Wolves starters. I guess Bielitsa will stay in longer, and then they kind of go smaller with Tyus Jones when they're in comeback mode, or Jamal Crawford, or I guess Derek Rose. So Gibson kind of needs the game to stay close to get his regular minutes, and this game probably should stay close, so I think Gibson's fine. But 
I probably will only have a little bit of each of these guys from this game because I think there are just there's at least one better game, probably two better games to target overall. All right. Uh, next game on the slate, the Dallas Mavericks at the New Orleans Pelicans. From the Mavericks side of the game, we have J.J. Barea, questionable to play. Uh, what is it? Uh, a rib injury. He missed last game with the injury. We also have Dennis Smith Jr. has already been ruled out with some combination of a sore knee and tanking by Dallas. So from the Dallas side of the game, I think Barea is a good value play if he's in. If he's out, then I think that Yogi Ferrell is the good value play. Uh, I would be off Yogi if Barea plays, and overall, if Barea is able to play and there's no like kind of restrictions on him, I think he is the best value play on the slate with uh, Dennis Smith Jr. out. Also worth rostering, I think Nerlens Noel at 3,800. His last few games, uh, well, I forgot he rested last game. But the game before that, he played 27 minutes. So if we're going to get 25 to 28 minutes or so from Nerlens Noel at 3,800, who's somebody who has always scored more than a fantasy point per minute, he's a pretty good value play. From the New Orleans side of the game, uh, it's really a lot of the same for me. Anthony Davis, pay up for him. He's my favorite guy to pay up for on the slate. That's been the case pretty much every game, I think, since DeMarcus Cousins has been out. Anthony Davis has been my favorite guy to pay up for. And Drew Holiday, I also think, is worth rostering at 8,200. And um, nobody else do I really want to have significant exposure to. But Nikola Mirotic, I think, is worth looking at in GPPs because he played, what was it? Uh, he had a really good game last time. He only played 22 minutes, so maybe not. If Mirotic starts, which we have seen on occasion, he's worth rostering. But coming off the bench, I still probably wouldn't be interested in him. Just uh, Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. Yeah, it's, it's a little strange that Miritich has seen his minutes drop so much. He was priced in the 7,000s when, uh, when the Pelicans first acquired him, but yeah, his price has fallen off. Also, his minutes have fallen off. So I do think he might be worth a little bit of a flyer, definitely, definitely if he starts, but we could see his minutes go up at any time if he's playing well, so I don't think he's the worst play. Uh, but yeah, the priorities from this game, J.J. Brea if he's playing, Yogi Ferrell if Brea is not playing, Davis, Holiday. Um, as far as game stacks, I think the problem is that we don't know who else to count on from the Mavericks besides either Berea or Farrell, because uh, I don't think Farrell is really worth rostering if Berea is playing. Uh, his price has gotten a little high, but if Berea is out, then he is worth rostering. So it would be one Mavericks guard, Nerlens Noel, and then Davis and Holiday with maybe one other Pelicans guy thrown in. But who else would you consider for a game stack? Because that's kind of the problem I'm running into looking at this, where there just aren't really other good players to use from this game. Yeah, nobody. There's uh, th- there's nobody that I really think of as a, as a strong play from the Mavericks outside of Berea and Noel as well. Uh, but th- there's there's only a few guys that I want to exposure to. So like, you could do like a Berea, Noel, Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday together for a stack. And I think that's fine, but like not something where I'd go like like six or seven players from the game or anything like that. Yeah, I think I would make some stacks with five where a couple other fringe kind of random guys at low ownership are included. Like Doug McDermott could play a lot of minutes at 3,500. He's had some big games. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe if he's starting, he would get a boost with uh, Berea out. So that's probably um, only for that circumstance. And then... Guys like Etwan Moore or Miritich um, could have bigger games if the game's close. One other player I'll mention before we move on, Rondo's prices at 6000 and his minutes are definitely down recently. 
but there's always upside for Rondo, so he would be someone to have just a little bit of. Um, definitely only in game stacks, but I don't think I'll have much Rondo because it's just really unreliable to use him at this point when his minutes are so inconsistent. No, I think that's fair. Uh, I don't think I would roster Rondo on this slate, except you could make a case to roster him in GPPs. Uh, I just think that there's generally downside more often than there's upside, and he's just been highly owned a lot recently. So that's that's more the reason I would have me off him. Uh, the next game on the slate, I think this is another one that's not really a great one to target. Atlanta in Utah. Atlanta, 13.5 point underdogs. So from the Atlanta side playing in Utah, Utah is now up to second in the league in defensive efficiency. They're very good on defense with Rudy Gobert there. So the Atlanta side of the game is a fade for me. From the Utah side of the game, Derek Favors is out. So without Favors, there is a rebounding boost to Rudy Gobert. The issue I have is how many minutes is he going to play, because I think this is a very likely blowout. So that would have me off him a little. That would have me off him probably entirely. Uh, I'm trying to think if I wouldn't call him a fade right now, but definitely somebody I would be underweight on. Uh, one guy who I do think stands out as a value play from Utah is Jonas Jerebko. With Derek Favors out, Jerebko has been the starter, and he's only 3,300, so almost min price. As a starter this year, he's scoring 17 fantasy points per game. It is a plus matchup against Atlanta, so maybe a little bit of value there. Yeah, I think Jarebko is worth rostering, and that's probably it from this game. Um, just quickly scanning for potential value plays that would play extra minutes in garbage time. Uh, I think Royce O'Neal might be worth using at 3200 because he would be someone who benefits from garbage time, and it's kind of just a cheap price anyway. Um, maybe a minutes boost to begin with, with favors not being there. So maybe the floor for Royce O'Neal is like 15 to 18 minutes at 3200 which would be not great, but still passable. And he could play 25 to 30 minutes if the game's out of hand by the fourth quarter. So I'm okay with taking a flyer on Royce O'Neal and also Jarebko. I think they're both decent value plays and then no one from the Hawks side. All right. So we can talk about the game that we actually would want to stack next. The Detroit Pistons at the Phoenix Suns. From the Detroit side of the game, it's it's a really favorable matchup against the Suns. Very bad defense. They play at a really fast pace. So Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin are both fine targets. For me, uh, I kind of want to see what the minutes look like for the Wings tonight because they have everybody healthy. So we haven't seen a lot of that recently, and it's hard for me to really judge what a minutes expectation is for the Wing players with everybody there. And so we see how this game ends. Right now it's the middle of the third quarter. So maybe when you're talking about the game, I'll take a peek at that. Uh, from the Phoenix side of the game, TJ Warren's already been ruled well, not ruled out. He's doubtful to play tomorrow, so the expectation is that he isn't going to play. Devin Booker is questionable to play, so we don't know his status. Booker's a good play if he's available. Obviously, he's a bad play if he's not available. Justin, uh, Josh Jackson gets a pretty big boost without Warren at 6,300. You would see a huge boost if Booker's out. So Josh Jackson's one of the better plays on the slate. And then we have Alfred Payton at 5,700. His minutes have been way down recently, so certainly not a cash play for me. But there's upside in Payton, so I think that he's worth rostering in GPPs. And then... I would think he has to play a ton of minutes if Booker's out. So that would be a good situation to roster him in. And then Alex Lennon, 3,700. The minutes also haven't been very high for him recently, but there's a pretty good chance that Tyson Chandler doesn't play tomorrow, and that would mean Alex Lennon starts, and at 3,700, there's upside in him at that price. Yeah, so this is, this is definitely the most stackable game on the slate. I guess Booker could change that if he ends up being in, although I still think it would be pretty stackable. It's a good matchup for the Pistons against the Suns. 
good spot for Drummond and Griffin. Ish Smith is really cheap too, so even though he's been bad lately, I think he's worth using in game stacks. And then, yeah, I guess we'll have to see what's going on with the Pistons' wings. From the Sun side, though, there are a lot of pretty intriguing plays, like Peyton and Josh Jackson, but I think only if Booker's out. Um, if Booker's in, I think you could use him too, but it seems very unlikely that we'll know that Devin Booker's in before lock. I think we either get him as a game-time decision or ruled out. It doesn't seem that plausible that the Suns would announce that he's officially starting in time for making lineups. So that that seems like a pretty risky GPP play. But if for some reason we do know that Devin Booker's starting before lock, I think he's worth using. Um, but if he's out, then Peyton, Jackson, and then there aren't really any other guards that I would use from the Suns. I mean, like Shaq Harrison and Troy Daniels, I, I don't know. I'm not rostering Jared Dudley, even though he's been playing a lot of minutes recently. That just, that just seems kind of insane. Uh, but one other Suns player that I think does make for a good target is Alex Len, especially if Tyson Chandler's out. Len's minutes have been kind of down as a starter the last two games, but with TJ Warren out and potentially Devin Booker out, the Suns can't really go small ball as much because they just don't have the players, and that's kind of what's happened the last few games where they played Dragon Bender at center and then just a bunch of guards. So if the if the Suns are shorthanded, then Len probably has to play more minutes, and I think there's a lot of upside for him at 3,700 too. Yeah, and then uh, Chris Bender, I don't I don't have a lot of interest in either of them. How about you? Um, no. I think I would roster some Bender if Warren and Booker are both out for sure. There's just there's just extra minutes to go around for everybody. I mean, Dragon Bender's terrible, but if he's going to play 35 minutes at 3,900, I think I'd include him at, in at least a few game stacks. And then, I don't know, Marquise Chris, you could... If you're making 100 game stacks, maybe I'd have them in like three of them. But yeah, very little interest in either of those guys. Okay, uh, next game on the slate, the Houston Rockets at the Portland Trailblazers. Something that Matt had brought up before the podcast, and uh, maybe he'll remember some of the numbers, is that Houston is playing at a much slower pace over the last couple months. We weren't really able to figure out the reason for it, but it is something that has been going on. So the the over-under for this game at 214.5 does look pretty low, but it's probably pretty justified. Portland also a good defensive team and doesn't play particularly fast themselves. From the Houston side of the game, Chris Paul 8,000, James Harden 11,200. I don't think either of them are particularly great plays. I do think Clint Capella's roster-able roster at 6,600. His last three games, 50 fantasy points, 33, 42. And he's been much more expensive than 6,600 for the rest of the season. So it's kind of weird to see his price get down to that cheap of a level, considering that he's really been playing okay recently and that he's been in like the mid-7,000 range for most of the season. From the Portland side of the game, uh, the pricing there, we have tough individual matchup for Damian Lillard going up against Chris Paul. He's playing really well recently, but I would prefer to roster Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin at about the same price range as him. CJ McCollum at 6,700. I generally tend to play McCollum more often when the Blazers match up against either the Rockets this year or when they played against the Clippers in previous years. Just the reason being that you have Chris Paul defense on Damian Lillard. So my thought process has always been the ball ends up filtering more to McCollum in these situations. So I think McCollum is a fine play at 6,700. Uh, always some upside in Joseph Nurkic at 6,300. Not a cash game play ever, but there's always GPP upside in using him. Yeah, so a few things to mention here. Um, before the podcast had started, I was looking at the pace numbers like you talked about for the Rockets. 
Um, on February 1st, the Rockets were 7th in the NBA in pace, and now they've dropped to 14th in pace for the season. So since February 1st, they've been one of the slower teams in the NBA. I think it's partially because Chris Paul has played more minutes, and Paul tends to slow the game down a bit. Um, he leads to lower scoring games for sure, but a lot of that has to do with his defense. I think he also does keep the pace down a little bit. The Rockets are a little bit less of a run-and-gun team with Paul on the floor compared to more minutes for someone like Eric Gordon, who I think pushes the tempo more and shoots earlier in the shot clock. So maybe that's part of it, or it's just been a coaching decision, just a systemic change that the Rockets have decided to make for some reason. I'm not sure, but it's definitely a fact that the Rockets are playing much slower lately. Um, and then I, looking at the Vegas line for this game is really helpful, too when you're not sure of reasons like that. Uh, the over-under is only 214.5, but it actually opened at 216, and the public is betting the over kind of like they always do for games with two good teams. It's going to be a nationally televised game, I think, or whatever. It's it's a primetime game between two playoff teams, two of the better teams in the league, and there's still reverse line movement on the under. So that's an indication that the game will be lower scoring than people think. Um, but I don't actually think, well, I had said before we started that I thought it could be a good leverage spot to fade this game because it is the late game hammer or whatever that's worth. And uh, it is two really good teams. But I think most of the ownership will actually be on the Clippers-Wolves game. And this game will only be moderately owned. But I still don't really think there's much value in it because Harden and Paul are pretty expensive. It's a bad matchup for Lillard. It should be a pretty slow game. Um, but I do agree with you on rostering McCollum. And I think especially if Shabazz Napier is out, it's just a little bit more ball handling for McCollum on the second unit. I think Lillard plays less court time with Napier, but McCollum and Napier are usually on the court more together because McCollum will come out of the game late first quarter and then play the early part of the second with Napier. Um, and if Napier's not there, then that's just more responsibility for McCollum. And all of the stuff about the ball filtering to him with Chris Paul guarding Lillard makes sense too. So I'll say McCollum is worth using. I don't really have much interest in Capella. I think he is a little cheap, but it's a hard matchup. So I think just McCollum from this game. Uh, so no uh, no interest in Capella for you at all? I think a little bit, but I don't know. It's I guess I think he's a fringe play just because he's a little bit underpriced, but it's a tough matchup. So I don't know. He's probably someone I'd have in some lineups, but I don't think he's a great play. Okay, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GMBerDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense, and hopefully no late scratches tomorrow.